We will miss you, but we will be back very shortly as we regroup and uh, welcome a new little member of the Montessori Moms in the Wild family. Tribe. Tribe. I went tribe. You went family. Pack. Village. Community. Store. (laughs) (laughs) Community store. Now it's just a word association game. <laughs> All right. All right. We're done. Plan. <laughs> okay. You can have it. Points. Yeah. Points for you. Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Megan. I am a mother of two with my Montessori training in lower elementary ages six to nine. I am here with Laura, mother of one who has a Montessori training in lower and upper elementary ages six through 12. And our dear pregnant friend, Rachel, she is not here tonight. Her baby will be here like any day now. And she's preparing to meet this little baby girl. She's having some feelings in her body. She's trying to find <laughs> newborn diapers. So we are letting her prepare. And and actually, as Rachel is meeting her new baby and Laura is finishing out her school year, we will be taking a short break from the podcast episodes and we will be back at the beginning of June. So we'll be gone through the month of May and we will be back in June with our regular episodes. So we will miss you, but we will be back. I'm a little worried, Laura. Yeah. I'm a little worried about it just being you and me without Rachel to bring down the hammer to like push us along. Basically to to keep us on track because (laughs) you are a little prone to giggles and I'm a lot prone to egging that on. Like I am here for it. I will just watch you unravel with delight painted across my face. And Rachel is like, y'all get it together. And we need that. We need Rachel. (laughs) That's, I was able to listen to you do some Rachel impersonations and it's pretty good. Y'all. It's, it's pretty <laughs> terrible. I do a terrible Rachel slash Southern accent, but I was mimicking her yelling at us before we began as Megan like collected herself off the floor from giggling already super hard. <laughs> and, um, and it was bad. It was, Rachel is not from Texas. She, I don't think she's a rancher. Like, I don't know where any of that came from. I don't believe she's lived in the old west so i don't think that it was a good impression something i have learned about you is that you your accents oh god not the best <laughs> have you learned this about me have you figured out that i cannot do like impressions or <laughs> accents like at all 
I have learned this about you. I still love you, but we we need to work on that because it's an important skill that you need. I would love to be better at it. I really would. See, look, we're already not doing what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. What have we done? Rachel, please. Rachel, help us. Okay. No, don't tell me any of that stuff. <laughs> tell me about your week. How was your week, even though I just talked to you like two minutes ago? Well, Megan, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you about my week. I want to share that my child has unlocked a new verbal command that is just killing me on a nightly basis. So what she does is she grabs a book and she sits down in my lap and she opens up to the beginning of the story. And if I don't like immediately start reading it, like I was halfway through a sentence with Chris or literally doing anything and don't just immediately launch into the story. She goes, mommy, talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> and I love that talk about it is talk what she it. has formulated in her mind for like, read this reading. story. Yeah. yeah. Read the page, read these words, talk I mean, about and it. It's so perfect for you. <laughs> you know, know. Talk just, about it. Because you know you're going to. (laughs) So many of the books she loves right now, the story is like, it doesn't keep her attention necessarily. So what I do is we open up to the page and I talk about it. I just like, oh, here's a turtle and the turtle is blah, blah, blah. And she loves it. So not even actually what I wanted to share. What I wanted to share is that I am going away later this week for a conference, teaching related conference. And I have to be all the way away from my whole family. All the way away. All the way away for like two days and two nights. So you get to stay at a hotel? Yes. By yourself? Kind of. But you have to share a room? Yeah. But with someone that I absolutely adore from work. Well, it's not me, so I don't know. (laughs) I know. I actually was just thinking earlier before starting this call that I have really high standards in my mind of this conference because the last time I went on a conference with someone from work that I was like pretty sure I really liked personally but didn't like have any chance to hang out with yet was you and look at us now and I cannot get into another podcast so I don't know if I can get super close with this person (laughs) no you need to keep them at an arm's distance I'm just like super rude and like brief (laughs) I don't need another podcast okay (laughs) I'm just like, okay. I have enough podcasts. Don't don't sit next to me. Oh my God. Oh, well, I'm excited for you. I actually have a conference this weekend too. So Do conference you? twinsy. Oh. I didn't know. Well, I did know, but I forgot. So <laughs> you're such a jet setting business lady. I know. But this is this is my first time leaving my child and my husband. It's a big deal. Yeah. We did one weekend without her, but he was with me. And then every other waking second, the three of us are together. Yeah. So this That's is a big, a big deal. deal. I yeah. hope that you eat your meals while they're hot and no one puts their little hands yes. in them Yes. Um, or spits food back into your cup. <laughs> Obviously, I just had dinner. So these are the first things that come to my mind. Sneezes it into your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that you go all day without any stains on your clothes because little yogurt fingers are grabbing at your pants. I, I wish all the best for you. I think it's going to be great. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. What about you? What do you want to share? Okay. I don't think that I've mentioned this on the podcast, um, but it's been like a thing that's been, you know, kind of ruling my life is that I dislocated my kneecap. <laughs> I was just thinking about that last night when I rolled up onto my knees for something and went, ooh, I bet Megan can't do that right now. I cannot do that. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, so obviously it doesn't feel good, but I've been having to go to physical therapy and I just got dry needled for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not a fun, not a fun time. Did not like that that. one bit. And it just feels like my body is just like (laughs) breaking down. It (laughs) just needs so much more upkeep than it used to. And, you know, I'm not one to just be like, oh, well, this is how it is. So I've been working my little butt off trying to get my body to not be mad at me anymore. And to be nice to it. So it's just really hard to work out with kids. It's like we went to the gym today and we go to this gym that is for moms, which is like just the coolest concept ever. So they got to go with me, but it's just like every five seconds, it's like they need a snack or (laughs) they want me to hold them. I mean, which is a workout in itself, but it's just, I, I miss the days where I could just go to the gym and just like work out and leave. And I just would like to get back to that at some point. But I know someday I'll miss them joining me on these gym sessions. Yeah, of course, they're adorable. And it's super sweet that they can like come be a part of that experience and the, you know, the the modeling that you're doing for them, you know, like health and fitness are important to me. All of that is super great. But also, I think yeah, it's I okay want, to say I just want to do it. By I miss myself. being able to go to the gym when I wanted to for as long as I wanted to. Yeah, and do- when I'm like having to pick. So at the end of the workout, I had some cardio that I needed to do, and I had to choose the cardio machine based on which one didn't scare my toddler. <laughs> right, like. <laughs> I was getting on the rower and it like, you know, makes the fan go and she just cried and cried and cried because she was scared of it. She's like, too loud, mama, it's too loud. So I'm like, (laughs) how about this one? And I'm like doing another one. She's like, too loud. So I had to pick the one that didn't scare her. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what, I miss not only the days of gym whenever you want, but I truly miss the days of also just taking your body completely for granted that it will bounce back from whatever the thing is and you don't have to put in as much time and effort and all my kneecaps were like where they belong exactly (laughs) I missed when my kneecaps were in the right place on my body is that wrong to say I have knee issues that I haven't dislocated a cap I mean I didn't know what happened it was so crazy so I worked out one day just like in the garage because we have like a nice little gym set up and then I went to bed. And when I woke up, I had this like knot on the side of my knee that was like the size of a kiwi. And I was like, I don't think that's supposed to happen. I don't, nope. <laughs> I don't think that's supposed to be there. And I couldn't bend it. And I felt 1000 years old. And so yeah, I'm working it out soon. I will be just jumping off of that sounds bad. I was going to say jumping off of buildings. <laughs> So. I meant like more of like a Spider-Man situation, like jumping from buildings to <laughs> other buildings. Which, <laughs> All right, let's get into today's topic. Laura? All right, so we discussed over the course of a two-part episode, the sensitive periods, as Montessori defines them, in terms of child development and specifically in the first plane of development, that period is known as the absorbent mind. Maria Montessori discovered these developmental planes and prepared the environment for optimal learning based on what these sensitivities were. We have a Montessori quote here saying, I have found that it is in his development, the child passes through certain phases, each of which has its own particular needs. 
The characteristics of each are so different that the passages from one phase to another have been described by certain psychologists as rebirths. And that is from the four planes of education. So the second plane of development, ages six through 12, has sensitive periods as well, but they look a little different. Rather than being very literal, very concrete, highly based in their physical ability and the development of that, the sensitive periods in the second plane of development are more often related to psychological characteristics. And one of the reasons that we decided to talk about it was because this is our thing. This is this is what we're trained in. This is our classroom. This is what we're really passionate about. And I think that this specific age is really difficult for a lot of parents. And so one of the reasons that we talked about sensitive periods and why it's important is because I think it helps to kind of understand where your child is developmentally, what they need, and that there's nothing wrong with them, and that these kind of characteristics that they have, and that these needs that they have aren't going to last forever. This is to meet a specific goal, to learn a specific skill. And if you can kind of frame your mind in that way, it might help just ease some of the tension to just be like, it's okay. This is what's going on. This is what they're trying to obtain. And it will it will pass also because a lot of the characteristics of a second plane child, it's really difficult. No longer are they that little toddler who wants order. They are messy. <laughs> if you have a child in the second plane, they are little slobs. You know, it's, they're not, they're no longer into the physical order. They are moving into, like Laura said, that intellectual development now, no longer the physical development. So that can be really difficult. They are asking all the questions. They are sometimes maybe not letting things go because they really want to know why it's not fair and how come. And, and these can all be really difficult things to navigate as a parent. And I've talked to a lot of parents and they struggle during this age. But I think that if we can kind of reframe it, you can kind of start to see the magic of this age. I think that both of us, we love, love, love this age. It is such a special time. They are such cool little people. And yeah, so I think that it's a cool thing for us to talk about and kind of get into. So I'm excited to, I've been waiting to do this with you for a long time. Yeah, I'm super jazzed too. I feel like a lot of what people talk about in Montessori is kind of the bread and butter ages of like that first plane and toddler up through children's house. And that's obviously what we've talked about a lot because that also happens to be where we are in parenthood. But I think the second plane is such a sweet spot, especially we both really specialized in lower elementary, so six through nine. And that's such a cool age because like they're not babies anymore. They're very capable. They can go to the bathroom without you having to worry about having to help, you know, like they can do all of the things on their own, basically, if they need to. But they're also not really big kids yet. And they do still very much want you to be around and they kind of look up to you and they don't think that they have all the answers yet. In fact, they're still, as we talk about what happens in all of these periods, they're still trying to accumulate them and they're very much depending on you to be a part of that journey. And it's just, like I said, it's a sweet spot. Like they're just really cool little people. So a big part of that is the ability to move into abstraction. So we talked a lot about all of the sensitive periods in the first plane of development boiling down to a very concrete and very real experience with each kind of concept around them, right? If you want to teach them about 
refining the senses, go touch things, go taste things, go smell things, you know, like go actually do the things. If you want to teach them mathematics, you are putting quantities in their hands. In the second plane of development, the child moves towards abstraction. All of the concrete connections made in the first plane, the brain is now ready for handling abstract concepts. So that might look like the difference in solving a multi-digit math operation with a tangible material, like a stamp game or a golden bead or a checkerboard, if you've ever seen any of the materials in the classroom. So they're using that at a very young age to solve advanced mathematics, and then they slowly move into the ability to solve them just with paper, with no need for a, for a tactile object to go with it. That is a step that most of us skipped in traditional schooling. We kind of were taught everything in an abstract way with worksheets and pencils and paper and everything was written and very two-dimensional and you just kind of based on memorization. If you really capitalized on that first plane of development with a lot of concrete experiences, then you find that children move into that abstract and the ability to work on paper much more easily. They truly understand what they're doing. Yeah, so I think what you said is really key, the difference between a Montessori classroom and a traditional classroom, because a lot of people don't know much about the elementary portion of Montessori. A lot of people think of it as preschool, and then you move on and you go to like real school. But the the elementary curriculum is mind-blowing. It is beautiful. It is, it's just, it, if you ever get the chance to observe it, you will be amazed at the things that these children can do and have the opportunity to do and how I wish so badly that I would have had the opportunity to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that step to abstraction is something that's really often missed in a traditional classroom. So we will have children using, like you said, manipulatives to be able to understand concepts before they move to abstraction. So they're getting that ability in their minds to be able to do that. But you have to first, and Marie Montessori said it, you have to put it in their hands first so that they can do that. So something that you'll see is if, you know, say they're learning multiplication, they will do it with the beads or the stamps or whatever it is that they're using. And then they will learn to do it on paper. We do not give them paper first. So I think that that's a huge difference. And then when they go to do it, you know, we all know how to like go put the one on top. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I really understood what that little one moving over was. When you're carrying or borrowing. Yeah. So you're like, you know, you have a 10 and you put the zero down and you put the one over there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't fully understand. I mean, I knew that there was like a one and a zero and that's what makes 10, but I didn't understand. I don't think I had a solid understanding of place value the way that a Montessori child is like ingrained in them. They know the quantities, they felt them, they've touched them, they've moved them. And so you don't even have to, the coolest thing ever is when they realize I don't need these materials anymore. It's just the coolest thing yeah. ever because they're like, wait, no, this makes sense. I can just do it in my head. And that's kind of the goal of this part of the curriculum is that eventually they realize, oh, I just get it. And I, I think I can just do it on paper. And I, I don't know about you, but that's like one of my favorite moments in a lower elementary classroom is when they like come up to you and you're like, did you know that I could do this just on my paper? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely love that moment too. It is so cool to see that they can do it and they can do it effortlessly. 
and that it's fun. I said this last time, I've never had a kid not only would tell you openly that they liked math, but often would list it as a top favorite subject. Like how many of us grew up hating math? Your girl right here. Or hating English, right? Like you hated one or the other. One of them didn't click for you. Montessori kids are like, how am I supposed to pick one favorite? like part of the curriculum. Well, something that's so cool too, because we, I think it's easy to think, okay, math, you use quantities, you move them around. That makes sense. What's really cool about this, this curriculum also is that you are using manipulatives in language too. Yeah. We have the parts of speech. We have like, it's just, I won't get into all the specifics, but I have learned so much just through training and teaching that I'm embarrassed to even talk about what I didn't truly have a full grasp on until I went through my teacher training and I was like, oh, (laughs) that's what that is. And it's just cool to see those light bulbs going on and seeing them create such a concrete understanding of things before moving to abstractions. So I think that that's one of the biggest differences between a traditional classroom and a Montessori classroom. Yeah. The way that all of the subjects are approached, the way that all Mm -hmm. of the concepts are approached to the point where they are eventually working quite effortlessly in a very abstract way Mm -hmm. because of the concrete stuff from that took advantage of the sense of order in the first plane. Right. They will never just be given a piece of paper. That's never going to happen. They're never going to just get a worksheet. If they're given, if they're going to be spelling, they're going to have the letter to hold, to manipulate, to put them together, to make words. They're going to have different symbols to represent the different parts of speech. It's with like impressionistic stories behind each symbol so that they can remember like, oh, this, this word is bringing these nouns together. That's the little bridge. That's a preposition. Mm -hmm. So cool. Just so interesting to see these little kids doing this because they just have such a solid understanding of it to the point where they'd know it better than, than most adults. Oh yeah, definitely. And in a fun way. Yeah. That's, and that's always the key. Right. Okay. The next one on the list, you made... A reference to this when you were talking about why this plan of development can be honestly just straight up annoying for a parent. And that is the sensitive period for reasoning. There is an intense increase in problem solving and like wanting to do that. You see an increase in interest for things like riddles. They love stories where main characters have to overcome a big problem and you get a lot of not just what, dat, what, dat, what, dat, what, dat, and accumulating all of the names of things. But now it's why. Why is that? Why is that that way? Why is that truck loud? Why is the sky blue? Everything. They want to know why. They have a reasoning mind now, which is something that was so frustrating when they were toddlers because you expected them to have a reasoning mind and were so like set off by their behaviors because a reasonable person would never do this. Now, they're actually more capable of reason. And now is where it's the time to like explain really, if you can find the patience within you, why things are the way they are. And actually even better yet, set up experiences where they can discover themselves Mm -hmm. why things are the way that they are. Like what will happen if X, Y, and Z played out this way? Well, let's see, let's try it. Go get that ice cube, go get the marble, go get the whatever, you know, like they are so into this right now. It is again, Mm -hmm. a sensitive period where it's like a passion. It is a burning passion. They want these answers and these experiences, right? So what do you have to say about reasoning in the second plane? Like I said, it can be a really, really hard one, especially if 
I get it. Like you're a parent and it's been a long day and they just want to have a conversation about every little thing, but why, why can't we do it this way? But we did it this way last time or my friend's sister's best friend's daughter does it this way. Why can't we? And they are really exploring their world and really thinking about it. And like you said, it's not this reactive thing anymore, like when they were toddlers. And so it's this beautiful thing. And this thing that I love about this plane of development and this age group, but it can be really difficult. What kind of tips do you typically give to parents who maybe don't have the patience or are running out of patience for the why, the how come, and the it's not fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. This is a great question. I, if I could actually share like a super dark, deep confession of my own. I'm really excited about this. Yes, please do that. (laughs) When I first started at the school, I came on board as a permanent sub, right? So I was just on campus all day, every day, everywhere, wherever they needed me to be. It was like a new role they decided to try out. And I loved it because toddler up through ninth grade is what we had at the time at this school. I got to see all of it. I got to see how it all unfolds. And it was so cool. And I had been in every single classroom across the span of a year. And at the end of the year, the head of school asked me, so what do you think? And I was like, oh, you know, there's some, there's a pro and a con to each level. There's a really amazing thing. And there's a really hard thing about each grade, each, each chunk of three years. Right. So I couldn't really say that I had a favorite. And also I was like afraid to say that I had a favorite because I honestly just wanted to be there. And I was like, wherever you have room, put me there. Anyway, she came to me and she said, we have an opening in lower elementary. And I secretly was like, oh no, that's the hardest one. That was the hardest one for me. I felt like those kids sucked up my unlimited well of patience way faster than every other grade level. And I think it was in large part due to what I just said about how like they're not babies anymore, but they're also like not really like they don't really have it yet. They're just, and they're just constantly tattling and whining and that's not fair. And she just did that. And and it was just like, oh my God, all the time. And then I went to training and I learned that in this plane of development, they have just stepped out of basically having blinders on to the entire world. It is me, 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 my, my, my. Everything is about their individual. And if anything else exists outside of that, it is like mommy and daddy. And then all of a sudden they get to six, right? And like the blinders come off and the whole freaking world just descends upon them. And they are now aware of everything and everyone and that there is a whole society around them that expects certain things of them. And they really very much want to contribute to it and fit into it. So like, They are just desperately trying to figure out like, what is the world and where do I fit into it? And like, who am I? And is that good enough? And like, who are all these other people? And do we all have the same rules? And oh my God, dude, when you think about like how much they're trying to figure out right now, it is stressful and it is way harder than what I am trying to figure out in terms of like their whining, you know, like. I've been through all that. I have a pretty firm idea of me right now and where I fit into the bigger picture and what is the bigger picture. At least I tell myself that I do. Kind of. They they have they are just finding out that there is a whole society around them 
and and that there are other kinds of societies and other places and that like not everybody does it the same way. So like it's just, dude, it's so much. It's yeah. so, so much. Overwhelming for that little. Yeah. So we have in the Montessori classroom, the cosmic curriculum at this age, which gives this huge, big picture begins with the first great lesson of the creation of the universe and kind of like a big bang type of deal all the way down to this is you in your community, in your school, in this neighborhood. Like what's your role here? How can you contribute to it? And it's just, it's so, so cool. But right. My original point was that when I learned all of that about what they're going through, I was able to understand that they're not trying to be annoying. They're not trying to be rude. I think Maria even coined this as the age of accidental rudeness because they just speak their mind. Like there's no filter. And they don't think like if if you walk up to me and you look tired and I'm seven years old, I'm going to say, hey, Miss McAlevey, you look tired. Mm -hmm. And there is not even a little bit of me that meant for that to be an insult. I don't even I don't even know why that's an insult. I'm just literally stating a fact. And also trying to show you that like, I notice you, I care about you, you know, but like an adult is going to hear that and be like, wow, thanks. You know, like right now I feel like crap because you told me I look tired. Well, obviously I must look like crap. And it's easy to let that stuff get under your skin, but that's not what it all was meant there. And that's a teachable moment for you to be like, are are you saying that because my eyes are puffy? Yes. I saw that too in the mirror and tried to like Mm -hmm. offer a different way around that different language for that. We don't comment on people's bodies. Right. You could ask me, how are you feeling today? You know, but like when you say that, it makes me feel like I don't look awake and I don't look happy. You know, like you have to, they're, they're learning these things. They're learning the rules of social conduct and engagement. And so, yeah, they're driving you nuts asking you why, 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 who, 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 where, 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 what, 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 But if you could just kind of see them through some of it, instead of just losing your mind and losing your patience, then it could really be a significant change in your experience with this age group. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that reframe so, so, so much because I think when you reframe it to be like, this is a hard time for them and we're navigating them. Yeah. They're just, I think a lot of it is that need for connection that they desperately, desperately want. I used to have my desk open for lunchtime for different students to come sit and eat lunch with me so I could have the opportunity to talk to them and talk about things that weren't classroom related things. And it's just so like the questions and just like, like I don't have a child that's in that age, but like the incessant, just like, what's your favorite mammal? What's your favorite reptile? What's your favorite amphibian? And it's just like, oh, (laughs) my favorite mammal is the blah, blah, blah. I mean, we turn off the lights during lunchtime in our classroom and no one's allowed to talk for 15 minutes and they're only allowed to eat because if you didn't, they wouldn't eat. They wouldn't eat, yeah. We we have silent lunch for the last 10 minutes where your only job is to chew your lunch and fill your body with fuel. We're going to stop chatting. We're just going to put it on pause. We just have to eat. Please, for the love of God, eat something. And it's not that they're like, I'm not hungry. They aren't even thinking about it because it's just this huge time. And like, I guess we can kind of, we're already kind of jumping into this, but this, you've said this social world kind of, illuminates itself and they're so interested in their peers, which they used to be just interested in their parents. And now they are, all they want to do is hang out with their friends. All they want to do is kind of figure out this peer dynamic. How do I behave around other people? A lot of times we start to get the, like, I feel left out. They didn't invite me. And this is just them trying to figure out what is 
a community. And so a big part of our job as teachers is to kind of create this little classroom community where everyone contributes and how to even behave as a whole group where everyone has a job, everyone has a place, everyone is valued, and how do we help people feel valued? And it's like, it's actual lessons, it's actual things that we have to teach as teachers, but we really get to like create this little, this little community, which is one of my favorite parts. Yeah, the social part and peer interactions are a huge part of it. That's another sensitive period for the second plane of development. We can just skip over to that one because that definitely comes up in the reasoning of trying to figure out why everything is the way that it is. That absolutely ends up involving other people too. Like, why do these people behave this way? Why are these the rules of our society and our and our civilization, right? So that's a huge part of the tattling. Yeah. So again, speaking to someone as a parent more, right? That's one of those things that's going to drive you crazy. Everything feels like they're constantly tattling. And what's important, I think, here to understand is that their sense of right and wrong and their sense of like justice is so this is also I, I feel like that should have its whole own other yeah. sensitive mm-hmm. period title here of like morality mm-hmm. yeah 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 yes exactly the rules of engagement right you just told me that it is a rule that I cannot throw my pencil across the room okay we're not supposed to throw pencils we keep our pencils here on our table we use it for our work we put it away when we're done I, I'm, I'm very clear that we should not be throwing pencils. That kid over there just threw a pencil across the room. And I want to know right now, what is going to happen? What are you going to do about it? Because if he's allowed to do that without any sort of repercussion or consequence, is it a rule? Are the, are the things that you're telling me laws truly laws? And I mean, that right now is the rule in the house or in the classroom. But that is for them, that's just an extension of literally like the laws of society. Like you said we shouldn't speed, but everybody else is speeding, you know? So like, I guess I can do it too. Like this is helping them navigate that sense of what is right, what is wrong, and what do we do when someone does the wrong thing and you know what the right thing was? Do you stick to your gut? You know, like, and it's just, it's huge. It's so, so it's huge. huge. And it can be seen as an annoyance, which I mean, honestly, sometimes it is like you and I are talking on the playground, we're having a conversation and interrupted <laughs> every five seconds with someone didn't follow the rules. They didn't take a bunny to the bathroom. They were jumping off the structure and you're not supposed to jump out. It's, it's just like, you spit water from the water fountain onto the ground. Constant. It's everything. It's and everything. So yeah, that can be really annoying, honestly. And I think the reframe that we have in our mind is that this is so, so, so important. The way that we react to these kinds of things are shaping how they see the world and how they see justice. We want them to be the type of adult that when they see something wrong, that they do something about it, that they say something, that they speak up and that they believe in their heart of hearts that they can make a change. And so as hard as it is and annoying as it is, We have to think, what's the end goal here? And the end goal is that we have these little people grow into bigger people who see something that's not just, see something that shouldn't be happening, see someone who is not being treated fairly and equally, and that they say something about it and that they do something about it because they have been given the tools to be able to navigate that versus just being like, don't tattle, we don't tattle. 
That's yeah, not helpful. You're, but you're being annoying. We yeah. don't tattle. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful. And so let's get so to to that point. Some helpful tips if you're yeah. dealing with this age group. So at this age, they are old enough to be empowered to use their own words and give their own message. So a lot of times we're encouraging in that recess little that little scuffle there to practice with me. Okay, so what do you think that you should say to Joey who just took his shoes off outside and we're not supposed to have our shoes off? What what could you say? And you have them say, well, we're, Joey, we're not supposed to take our <laughs> shoes off and you have your shoes off. So you have to put them back on right now. You know, like, okay, all right, good practice. Good practice run. What if we tried like, Joey, you don't have your shoes on. We have to keep our shoes on to keep our feet safe. Like let's maybe we should remind, and you know, like you walk them through how to give the message and why it's important. You tell, telling someone what you did or didn't like, what you want them to do differently next time and standing in that and owning that and being okay with that and realizing like there will be injustices around you all the time and there won't always be an adult there to help. So what can you do to help? And of course we're right there. A lot of times I walk with them over to that conversation most of the time, just a teacher's presence already has that other kid listening, right? But then the deal is like, listen to your peer. Like your peer is the one who has the message. I It wasn't me, you know, I'm here in case anybody needs me, but I really feel like you guys can work this out. And then Joey hears the message and well, I just wanted to, and okay, all right. What, what do you think that you could say? But like, how can you explain what you were thinking? Nine times out of 10, the issue is that one or the other is convinced that the other party could read their mind and like consciously made a choice or said a thing to hurt them. And a lot of times it's just teaching them like, People don't know what you're thinking or feeling until you share it. Yeah. And it's huge how we give it power as adults because I can I can pinpoint I was in elementary school and I remember this boy was following me around and he kept tripping me. And I went to a teacher and I tattled on him and I was like, he keeps tripping me and I don't like it. And I remember the it was like the recess guard you know, whoever was in charge, it wasn't like a teacher, but you know, they were monitoring the the playground. And I remember she blew me off and was like annoyed that I was tattling. And what that told me was that my problems wouldn't be taken seriously by the adult and why even bother. And like to even make kind of a connection as an adult, I had a thing at work where a coworker did something that I didn't that wasn't kind. I did not like it. And it was really hard for me to like, I didn't want to go and tell my boss, like I didn't want to make a big deal about it because for through my childhood, I had learned that that doesn't do anything. Right. First of all, first of all, you can be treated that way. That's not, no one else cares. That's not a big deal. And second of all, if you go to an adult, you're annoying. You're being a burden on that power of authority. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like why would anyone care that I'm being treated a way that I don't like? And I, we talk about this all the time. I don't want to bring any shame on anyone who has been reacting this way because I do genuinely know, like we've said it a million times, it's annoying. It's super it's annoying. annoying, guys. And so we do not judge you in any way, but this is something that's really like more important than you might think and is shaping the way that they see the world and value themselves and value their peers. So it's big, 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 important work. And I can't emphasize that enough. Definitely agree there. So, okay. So also if we're not giving you, if you don't feel like you're getting a lot of good, like tips for how to handle this age at home, please contact us because I do feel like I'm sure I have more like practical, like Mm -hmm. if I know this scenario, I could tell you what would make sense to me for this age. So definitely 
reach out if you want to. We're trying to give like a, a quick, loose rundown of like what this looks like and why it's important and what you could do to help out with it. So we've covered abstraction, reasoning, the social peer part, and also a little bit within that morality. I want to move to imagination. Okay. So we harp a lot and actually have also admitted that as mothers, we struggle a lot with the idea of not introducing a lot of fantastical, imaginative, just fiction concepts to children in the first plane of development because they are so desperately trying to accumulate like the facts of what is real around them, what is possible, what is like literally what is reality, right? So seeing like a Pegasus like puking a rainbow across the sky in a cartoon (laughs) is like, what the hell is that? I will tell you a story of my husband before we, I was pregnant with my daughter and we were getting books and he was like, I don't want anything that's cartoonish. I don't want any unicorns or any of that stuff, which I thought was funny because I'm the Montessori person (laughs) and he's not. And you know, we are in a lot of ways opposites and he rolls his eyes at me all the time about all my crunchy granola parenting <laughs> teaching things and I was really surprised that he said that and I was like why why can't she have any unicorns and he was like I thought that seahorses looked like cartoon seahorses like my whole life and it was mm. <laughs> he was like a teenager that he saw a real seahorse he was like what is that <laughs> what the hell and he was like i don't want her to be confused so um it's a good point though and that is part of the philosophy behind it is to show them like real representations of things not cartoony exaggerated unrealistic things that they don't understand to exist like for real because they're still sorting out what exists right okay again though quick disclaimer all three of us regularly are viewing fiction and fantasy with our kids and cartoons and blah, blah, blah. Okay. They're going to be fine. However, the idea is that if you are able to set a pretty good concrete foundation and then can start to have fun with the concept of imagination, well, what if this existed or what if this could happen in this way? And they can sort of do that hypothetical thinking and create these imaginative scenarios that often, again, lead back to the problem solving and the reasoning part of their brain because they can go so much further in their imagination now. They can come up with cool different ideas for stuff. So this is a really cool kind of part of the sensitive period of the second plane of development. It's a really cool part. And you talked a little bit about the cosmic curriculum. And so we bring the whole universe to them. And then we start to pare it down and get more into the nitty gritty of everything. It's honestly everything. And I think it's just really, really cool that Maria Montessori believed that we could spark imagination through the real world because our universe is such a freaking cool place and that imagination doesn't have to be sparked just through a cartoon or just through fantasy play. It can be sparked through like you were talking about their love to see what would happen if I roll this marble down this pipe. That imagination is being sparked in a real life way. And I just, I think it's so cool to watch and they become genuinely interested in their real world because it's, it's really cool. Like when we start to study different biomes and learn about all the different animals and, and they start to get really interested in all of that kind of stuff because their imagination is sparked and they want to learn more. What is, 
what are those people like? What do they eat? What And those questions start to come up because they are fascinated. And I love that, that instead of this idea of loving Spider-Man, which you can still love Spider-Man, like we watched Toy Story tonight and my daughter is obsessed with it and that's okay. But if we can capitalize on this sensitive period where they are really, really interested in learning about the real world, we can spark that imaginations through giving them this huge, giant, endless possibilities. Of course, we guide them, but what do you want to learn about? There's dinosaurs and there are ancient civilizations and there are oceans and there are volcanoes and there are flowers and there are bugs and there are, it's just possibilities are endless. And that is something that is so cool to me about this age group is that they really get to be set free to really figure out what they're interested in and follow that imagination in a way that maybe we don't typically define imagination yeah, you're absolutely right because I did. I went right for the typical definition of imagination being like made up mm-hmm. things, right? But you're totally, totally on point to say that it is not just that. In this case, it's actually more about you can have these grandiose lessons about the creation of the universe and they can in their minds go on this journey with you and think about that and and imagine what that would have been like. Whereas in the first plane, that is like way out of their realm of, you know, intellectual ability. Yeah. How hot was the earth and and what can we make that can be that hot? And it's just such an interesting thing. And something that I love about it too is that I was told early on in my training, you know, we, we let them ask questions and we don't always provide them with the answers because we don't want them to feel like everything's been figured out because that squashes that imagination. We want them to feel like a lot's been figured out, but a lot hasn't. And I I was observing a classroom, a lower elementary classroom, and this boy was asking about the planets. I think they were talking about, I don't remember which planet, but he was asking, has a person ever been to this planet? And the teacher was like, nobody's been to this planet. I wonder if you'll be the first. And it just like, he just was just like, oh my gosh. And then he just wanted to learn more about this planet and how, why hasn't anybody? And so here's the why's like, why hasn't anybody been to this planet? And what can I figure out about this? And, and, and what other planets have we been to? And it just like, totally sparked that imagination for him. And that's that sensitive period. And that's why it's so so cool. And I love it so much. Oh, me too. Me too. All right. That brings us to our last one on our list, which is hero worship. So let's talk a little bit about the idea of hero worship. In the second plane of development, again, because of the child's just explosion into curiosity about real stories and that huge fascination with morality, right? Right and wrong, standing up for what's right, overcoming hardships and challenges and all of that stuff, that makes them really, really, really drawn to true stories about real people. So when we say hero worship, we're not talking Batman, Superman, DC, Marvel comics. We're not talking about fantasy heroes. We're talking about human beings that have existed and are now known for some amazing contribution that they made to the rest of mankind. And they want and need to hear those stories, especially if those heroes overcame something really difficult, right? And then moved on to change the world in some way. Those are so, so, so inspirational to them right now 
I mean, like I remember being at this age and there was like a series of books called the diary of, and they were different diaries of different like little girls across different periods of time and different settings in the United States. And I loved to read those and put myself again, this goes with the imagination with the morality, with the, with the everything, I would put myself in the shoes of someone who lived in, you know, Oklahoma in the dust bowl, that terrible stretch of the 1900s or a native American seeing European settlers come for the first time and having no idea what was going on. And just like trying to preserve your way of life. And just like so many true stories that were so amazingly fascinating to me that at this age, they want and need, they will eat that up. So like a lot of times the good key to get them into that explosion of reading is like finding biographies that are at a good reading level for them because they want to hear a true story about a real person. Uh, A lot of times we tell parents, like if you're trying to plan a quick family something, you know, more on a budget than not, like don't run to Disney World, which is not going to be on a budget. Go to Colonial Williamsburg and see the battlefield, you know, like let them walk that and pretend that they were there and in the 1800s. And like, this is an age where they really do the stuff that we think they will find boring and the stuff that we have found boring from teenage years on is still so fascinating and cool to them in this sensitive period. So you can take a six-year-old to do that. You probably can't take a 16-year-old to Colonial Williamsburg and get the same reaction. But if they're in that second plane of development, true stories, real places, real people is just the bee's knees. Yeah, that hero worship. And you said like it's not about the the fictional characters and it will be if that's all they're exposed to. So during that time, you will, you know, you see them, they love Batman and Spider-Man and all of the, all of the Marvel characters because they are in this sensitive period. So if that's all they see that they're going to do this. So they're going to, yeah, latch right on. Gravitate to someone. And if you do think about those types of characters, they touch on all these sensitive periods that social justice, you know, they're saving the world and it, is this big imaginative world. You can see why they would be attracted to this. And so what we can offer, of course, like they can still love those things, but what we can offer is also real life, real stories of people, like you said, overcoming something and changing the world and some that can spark their imagination of how can I make a difference or what could I do? And they, like you said, they latch on to that stuff. Like during this age, when you start talking about Martin Luther King Jr. or Malala or who else would we talk about? Oh my God. There's so many, so many. many. But when you start talking about those things, they are so invested. And when we talk about that morality piece, it's like, they are genuinely like, why would anyone treat someone like that? And, and, and they want to learn more about the world and how they can help make it better. So that's why that reality piece speaks to us so much is that we really do want to make it that it's not this fantasy thing. You don't have to be someone who's been bit by a radioactive spider to be able to help the world. (laughs) And all you have to do is follow your passions and be mindful of your place in the world and realize that it's bigger than just you. So yeah, I, I just, I really love that part of the whole cosmic curriculum that we have this giant timeline that shows that like this whole earth has been around much, much, much longer than even humans have been here. And we are just a tiny little piece, just the tiniest little sliver. And it's humbling, I think is a better word 
to describe because like you said, it's this time where right they come out of this really egocentric time of their life where it's me, 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 and realize, whoa, I am, I am just a speck on this little timeline. And you would think that that would be upsetting, but it's just, it's, I think it puts things into perspective a little bit more of, we are just a part of this whole journey. You are not the journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really cool point. Actually, we're all unique and that's important that we all bring something different to the table, but we all need to come to the table because we are all in this together. That is what I take away from the cosmic curriculum and lessons like the fundamental needs of humans across the entire planet. No matter what you look like, where you live, what you're eating, what you're living in, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you have to meet the same basic needs of survival that I do here in my house and my city, right? That's a huge, like mind blowing concept and connection to make between people all around the globe and your six-year-old self. And to realize that we're all special or we're all not special, but either way, we're all in it together. And so we have to like take care of each other. And if we want that timeline that we just unrolled and it went across the entire classroom, literally, and at the very end, there's a tiny strip that represents when we arrived on the scene. If we want that to keep going, we, we better work together, right? That's what's so so cool to me. Yeah. But. I mean, there's just not this idea of like, nobody gets me. I'm just, you know, I'm this different breed of person. And I just feel like it's really comforting to be like, we all, like you said, we all have these basic needs that we all need to survive. And yeah, I just think that in that whole egocentric time, it's a really comforting and humbling experience to know that we all need the same thing and that we are all in this together. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fun. This was fun and I I we could keep going. Could keep going. I I can keep going and I will keep going, so we need to pivot. Let's get this done. All right. Well, let's 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 be done and let's finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wild. What do you have for me, Rachel? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Um, you got me. <laughs> Laura, what do you got? <laughs> okay, I have two. I have two super quick ones. I thought maybe because Rachel's not here, I could just take over hers as well. So the first one, as promised last week when I gave you a choice oh, yeah, between yeah, yeah. yo-yo okay. and mutton chops. Hold on. Let and- me get my – I have a blanket here and <laughs> I'm going to just tuck myself in. Just snuggle in. Got some popcorn? Tell me. Um, <laughs> I wish you guys could see Megan right now. <laughs> It's adorable. Okay, so last week your choice was yo-yo or mutton chops. Mm-hmm. You guys chose yo-yo, so this week I will deliver on mutton chops. So it was the first day back from spring break, and it was a teacher work day. And we were all in – we were actually gathered in person for the first time in at least three years, not joking at all. These meetings have been Zoom, they've been virtual, they've been outside with smaller groups of people spread out across like a soccer field. I mean, it's been insane, right? So everybody in the great room all together having this meeting. And um, I'm sitting next to one of my school BFFs who has become like a real life friend, much like you. And we shouldn't be sitting next to each other, much like you (laughs) and me. So the woman giving the presentation is giving all kinds of different examples. I wish I could remember the context of this example, but it was one of those, like, would it be appropriate to say this or this kind of things? 
And in the scenario, one of the people had mutton chops, right? And she has like the slide comes on and the guy's got like 70s style, like big old chops, right? All all here in the sideburn area. And I like hear this word and giggle slightly and very quickly turn to my work best friend and I mouth the words, I have mutton chops. <laughs> so see, I don't know if we've covered that I've had an undercut for years, right? The bottom half of my head is shaved. You can't see this when all my hair is down. You can only see it when it's up, but it's been growing out and it is a journey. (laughs) So right now it's at a length where it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look right anymore. Oh, let me take my headphones off so I can show you. Okay. Do you see how long all this is? Yeah. All right. It's not long enough yet to tuck and stay behind Uh my ear. That's where it's going. It's going in that direction so that there isn't actually all this sideburn. It's just some wispies. Mm -hmm. But until it gets there. Yeah, you've. I am looking at some full blown mutton chops. However, I have been religiously tucking and pulling that hair behind my ear to make sure that it's not as visible as I feel like it constantly is. So I turn to this friend and I mouth, I have mutton chops. (laughs) And before I can even get my hand to my ear to like pull it out and fully fluff it, she goes, I know. (laughs) And I, she was not smiling. She was not laughing. It was not, it was like a a real moment between us where I turned and confessed this truth that she was well aware of, which made me well aware (laughs) that it's not working. My tucking behind the ear, it's not staying there, which I know because it needs to grow more. Everyone and knows. And it's just really hard for me right now. My other one is that we celebrated Earth Day at the end of last week, and one of our awesome room parents brought in cake pops that were decorated to look like the earth. They were dyed blue and green, and there were like three extra cake pops at the end of the day, and that parent was like, cool, well, I'm going to take my kid and get out of here. And I was like, oh, your cake pops. And she was like, ah, you keep them. And I was like, yes, yes. that's what I was hoping you yes, would say. I will. So I pop them in the little mini fridge in the little like shared kitchen. And today I open up the fridge, put my lunch in. And I, I remember that they're there. I've forgotten about them over the course of the weekend. They're there. And I absolutely will be needing one by about 10 AM today. So I make that little plan in my head. I have something to look forward to. Mm, I'm so excited. I sneak out to the little kitchen. I'm like, I'm just going to scoop this up on the way to the teacher bathroom and eat it in the bathroom like an ad- <laughs> like any self-respecting adult would do because there's three of them. So like, I don't have enough for the kids and the kids are all going to be like, why don't what? I get That's one? That's not fair. It's not fair. What did we just say? It's annoying and I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to hide in the bathroom so I don't have to hear that it's not fair because you know what? It's not fair. Life's not fair. And if I had to start listing the amount of things that you can get that I don't get that's not fair I would start crying (laughs) so I'm eating a cake pop in the bathroom and before I I'm like staring at the washer and dryer that's in there if you remember the bathroom Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about I don't know why I'm like and whose laundry is this eating this cake pop (laughs) and I realize halfway, (laughs) halfway through it I'm like oh no and that's when I remember that that the blue dye that they use to decorate the cake pops is aggressive (laughs) it is a fast spreading blue dye that i watched 27 kids turn smurf blue while they ate their cake pop and i was like there's no way there's no way so now 
I finished my business in the bathroom. I have thrown the stick into the garbage and I am scrubbing my face with paper towels to try to get the blue get off the evidence of my off. lips and teeth so that I can go back into my classroom without hearing about what a monster I am for having a cake pop at 10 o'clock in the morning and not sharing with anybody else. Did you get it off? I did. I did. Are you kidding me? This is not my first rodeo. You think I don't eat secret foods in the bathroom? Not all of them have blue dye, though. That was actually that was actually my first. It just reminds me of those those commercials with like the Cheeto fingers when they're like looking for like who stole the Cheetos and <laughs> the, you know, the parents have like Cheeto dust all over their fingers. You just had blue mouth and they're like, so did you have a cake pop? And you're like, nope. Uh, no, no, you're talking about. You talking about? Anyway, that's so funny. Was it good? Was it worth it? Oh, dude, worth everybody. I'm glad there are two more. I hope nobody else notices that they're in there because <laughs> I got a date at 10 a.m. tomorrow with one of them bad Larrys. Oh man, the things you have to look forward to in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Like, let me tell you about. It's not a confession. Let me tell you about the best thing I've got going on in my life right now: <laughs> laundry, toilet, kick pops. <laughs> Secret cake pop sash that I eat on the toilet next to the laundry machine. While hiding from my students. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, you go. What do you have? Okay, so my confession this week is not – so it's like not one like incredibly embarrassing thing, but just like several little embarrassing things that I feel like everyone can empathize with because it's just one of those things where you're like, ugh, I hate it when I do that. So <laughs> – I was at the gym because I'm, you know, just taking care of this temple. <laughs> and actually, one of our listeners goes there. Hi, Anna. Thanks for listening. And I left the gym and I went to my car and I was like, oh, trying to open it and it wouldn't open. And I'm like clicking the button. I'm like trying to open it. And I realized it's not my car. Oh, boy. And I hate oh, like, boy. Is there anything. I, I know there are more embarrassing things, but like, is there anything more embarrassing than when you like realize that you like I looked down and I was like, that's not the same color interior. It was the same car and it was the same color, but that's not what I have in my car. And then you just kind of slowly back away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope nobody saw that. Um, yeah, so that was one. And I don't think anyone saw, but if they did, they're probably like, what is that girl doing trying to get into my car? Okay. Just like, I hear you. I hate ripping the handle off of the car. Just like pressing the like button over happen. and over again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that happened. And then, so I was horrified and had to treat myself with coffee. And so I drove to the coffee store. <laughs> yes. The coffee <laughs> store. Sure. Shop coffee shop um yep. i went to starbucks <laughs> i went to starbucks <laughs> and i because i had my children with me so i wanted to go through the drive-thru so that we didn't have to get out and do the whole getting out of the car scene blah 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 so i drive up and i <laughs> so i go the like barista opens the little swooshy the swooshy window yep that's also what it's called. The swooshy window at the coffee store. The coffee store. Yeah. <laughs> and she is talking to me and I have this this really big water cup that I was hydrating with because of my body is a temple. And for some reason in my house, all of the lids are gone. I don't know where they are. My son has this fascination right now with like hiding everything. So we find things in the dog door. We find things under the stove, under the refrigerator, in the toilet, 
in the trash can. Like who knows where all of the lids in our house have gone. So anyway, my big giant cup doesn't have a lid. And so I went to drink it and I don't know, I'm awkward and weird. And the water like came up and just splashed me in the face, like just right (laughs) into my face. And so then I put the drink down and I'm just dripping with water. And it's like, as she was trying to talk to me and she was really nice. She like, (laughs) it would have been better, honestly, if she just laughed, but she was trying not to. And so she was just like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) here's your drink. (laughs) And like turned around, obviously, probably just trying to turn around and be like this lady just waterboarded herself <laughs> drive through and um yeah so it was like not this huge big embarrassing moment but it wasn't it wasn't my finest hour either and so I just yeah that's what happened to me at the at the coffee store I feel like it's a perfect example of one of those like dumb little things that will just pop up in your brain mm-hmm. at an inopportune time and you'll be like, oh my God, I can't even drink water, right? Yeah. So people. come to find out like lids are important. Come to find out. Yeah. Don't Ugh. drink them in your minivan without a lid. It'll just come splashing back store. up in your face. Yeah. While you're waiting at the swishy window. <laughs> it's the swooshy window. Swooshy. Swooshy. I'm swoosh. so sorry. Swoosh. Oh, okay. Gosh, this- we need to be done. We need to be done. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, review. (laughs) This is in no way my fault. (laughs) I'm just thinking about you last time. We're just like, have we added more things? And the reason is... The music is still playing behind me, yes. The reason is (laughs) is that we're on different platforms and you have to do different things on different platforms that's the reason anyways and rates we are available on spotify and apple podcasts you can follow us on instagram at montessori moms in the wild or email us at montessori moms in the wild at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next week stay wild this is where rachel roars (laughs) i miss it already do you want to go to the beach yes i was thinking like (laughs) 